Finding Your Roots. Finding Your Roots is a program on public television. It's hosted by a man by the name of Henry Louis Gates, Jr. And uh, what uh, Gates does in this program is he brings in celebrities, professional athletes, NFL football players, singers, actors, and so forth. And they are curious about their family heritage. And so they take that curiosity and they go through uh, what's called genetic ancestry testing. Genetic ancestry testing. And they take the results and they combine that with genealogical records uh, on a quest to find your roots. And uh, the program, each episode is about an hour, there's a couple of celebrities. Uh, and, and, and so there's a storyline to build a little bit of tension uh, in terms of uh, you know, leading up to a reveal, a big reveal in which some astonishing information uh, is discovered about this particular um, celebrity. Finding your roots. Finding your roots. So the premise of finding your roots is the quest for identity. Who am I? What are my origins? What's my story? Where, where do I come from? So, so the assumption is really this big sky quest to know who I am. Who are my people? Okay. And, uh, you know, when we kind of get off the treadmill of life long enough to sit and ponder for just a minute, that, that becomes significant to us. We want to know who we are. We want to find our roots. Finding your roots could also be the title of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. You knew we were going to find our way to Hebrews, right? But that's true when you think about it. Because you see, this letter to the Hebrews, or as we have learned, this sermon manuscript to the Hebrews uh, was first preached to a weary, beaten-down church. And they had received the gospel... And they had experienced life change in Jesus Christ. In fact, Hebrews tell us that they had witnessed signs and wonders and supernatural miracles, as well as the distribution of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They had experienced this, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4 tells us. They had found life in Christ. Then persecution hit. Then some of the church members were put in prison. And then some who had visited those in prison, while they were visiting those in prison, they had their property plundered. And that was just the first wave of persecution. So, so more is on the way. More is on the way. And after a while, I mean, it just got old. Just say it. It got old. Is, is the, what is going on here? You know. And some were thinking about going back, shrinking back, 
returning to a safer religion. And in response, the preacher to the Hebrews says, I mean fearlessly, without blinking. Hebrews 13, 14, For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. I mean, over and over, that phrase gets repeated in various ways throughout this sermon. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Now, what a bold statement that is. It's a bold statement. Especially as we've suggested this church was planted in first century Rome, the very capital seat of the empire itself, at the height of Roman power. This preacher says, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. (laughs) I mean, to the contrary, everything visually to the eye agreed with the notion that Rome would last forever. I mean, it had been there for centuries. It's not even at the height of its power uh, when when, uh, the letter to the Hebrews, the sermon of the Hebrews was preached. In fact, about 15 years after the sermon to the Hebrews was preached, the Colosseum opened. So, I mean, here you've got this Preacher saying, for here we have no lasting city. We seek the city that is to come. I mean, your typical Roman would say, sure doesn't look like that to me. It looks like it's going to last forever. All right, all right. Now let, let me just, let me, now let me meddle here for just a little bit, okay? Tonight's game is not just a game. Okay? It's not just a game. All right? It's an impressive display of American dominance. Even if the Minnesota Vikings aren't going to be there tonight, <laughs> right? But, I, I mean, it, it's an impressive display. Let's just call it what it is. Come on. It's an impressive display of American identity, right? I mean, <laughs> nothing like tonight's happening in Moscow. And, and, and we're not even, we don't even call it, we don't even call it the championship game of the National Football League. What do we call it? The Super Bowl, man. Right? The Super Bowl. Come on. We, we, uh, look, you know, next October, we're not going to call it the best of seven series of Major League Baseball. We don't call it that. What's it called? The World Series, the World Series. It's not called the United States of America Series. It's the World Series. You see what I'm saying? So, so stay with me now, stay with me now. So can you imagine a preacher standing on the 50-yard line of tonight's game saying, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. As the blue angels are flying over. Who would believe that? Doesn't look like it's not going to last. And yet that is exactly what we're being asked to believe. For here we have no lasting city. But we seek the city that is to come. See? See? 
So, so no matter what your eyes tell you, no matter what your eyes tell you, there is a deeper, richer reality, unseen, but more real. Rooted in the resurrected Son of God, Amen. Jesus. Right? Long ago, long ago, at many times and many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe, Jesus. Jesus is better. And after arguing for 10 chapters that Jesus is better than the angels, better than Moses, better than Joshua, better than that mysterious priest Melchizedek, better than the entire Old Testament tabernacle and temple system, this preacher boldly proclaims that Jesus, who is better, offers a better way of life. And you know what that life is. It is a life of faith. A life of faith. Open your Bibles and meet me in Hebrews chapter 11. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we see the life of faith. By faith. By faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. And today's ancestors in which we are finding our roots is Noah. Noah. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. One verse Two sentences, all right? By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. This is the word of God. Hebrews eleven seven. One verse, two sentences. And, and in Hebrews chapter eleven, verse seven, we learn what faith is, and then we learn what faith does. And that's that's where we're that's where we're going today in Hebrews chapter. 11 verse 7 let's consider what faith is and let's consider what faith does first what it what faith is what faith is now to answer this question i want you to look back at chapter 11 verse 7 and i've got a question for us here what portion of noah's life does the preacher focus on? What portion of Noah's life does the preacher focus on? Look back at that verse again. By faith Noah, 
being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. What portion of Noah's life does the preacher focus on? You see it? You see it? The portion of his life leading up to the flood, right? That's what, that's what makes it into the preacher's sermon. Content concerning the events leading up to the flood. That's that phrase, events as yet unseen. That's the flood. You see that there in verse, verse 7? So, so, so Hebrews eleven seven doesn't discuss the flood itself. Oh, how I would love to just geek out and just talk to you for the next 45 minutes about uh, evidences uh, for the plausibility of the flood. Because you see, the Bible presents Noah as a historical person and the flood as a historical event. Uh, but this is just assumed in the scripture. This, this, this historicity is simply assumed. So let's just, let's, let's, let's let the Bible have its say. So, so Hebrews eleven seven doesn't discuss, doesn't discuss life after the flood. Hebrews 11 verse 7 doesn't discuss the rainbow, doesn't discuss God's promise to never flood the earth again, and, 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 uh, you know, doesn't discuss uh, Noah's inebriation in Genesis chapter 9, doesn't discuss that, and it doesn't discuss uh, how Noah was dishonored by his youngest son, Ham. None of that makes it into the sermon to the Hebrews. Here's what makes it into the sermon Hebrews 11, verse 7, it's, it's by faith, noun, verb, direct object. Noun, verb, direct object. By faith, Noah built an ark. There, that's it. That's it. That, that, that's, that's the core of what makes it into the, the, the message here. So, so faith, faith, isn't what, faith isn't what you think you're going to do. Faith isn't what you say you're going to do. Faith isn't what you intend to do. Faith is obeying what God says about unseen things in a way that drastically changes my life. That's what faith is. Faith. Faith is responding completely and obediently to the Word of God about things He says we can't see coming, but we trust Him anyway. Because tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. So, so faith is more than biblical literacy or doctrinal mastery. Faith is resting my life on the word of God in a way that radically changes my life. That's what faith is. Can you see that? God's word came to Noah... Noah believed, and his life was upended. It was. So, go back to the first book of the Bible, if you would. Just keep your finger in Hebrews 11. And go back to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, if you would. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 tell us that Noah lived in a spiritually dark world. In fact, verse 5 says that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that 
Every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Wow. We're just five chapters into the Bible. And there's this. this the, the once unspoiled Garden of Eden has become a, a toxic dumping ground for wickedness uh, and every form of sin. So, so in chapter 6, verse 5, I mean, we're, we're beyond wickedness. You see how it's described? It's great wickedness where hearts house thoughts that contain intentions that were only evil continually. That's how bad it is, see? And, and in, in, in verse 5, toxic human hearts are, are contrasted with, with, with God's grieving heart. You see that in verse 6, Genesis 6, 6? God saw, God regretted, God grieved. So, so whatever happens next in the life of Noah is going to stem from God's grieving heart. His grief over wickedness, his grief over corruption, his grief over violence. Look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, the earth was corrupt and filled with violence. Corrupt, cor the word corrupt shows up three times in verse 11. Violence shows up twice. It was just a nasty world. And Genesis 6 speaks of violence and sexual perversity and corruption. And all of it, all of it ached the heart of God. Do you see that? That, that, phrase, that phrase, grieved to the heart, in Genesis 6, 6, appears elsewhere in the Bible describing a wife who has been deserted by her husband. That's Isaiah 54, 6. Isaiah 54, 6. Isaiah 54, 6, and then, and then in Genesis 34, 7, in Genesis 34, 7, when Jacob's daughter Dinah was raped, Dinah's brothers were grieved. They, 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 be, they were bitterly indignant. They, they grieved. Same, it's the same word there. That's, that, that's what, that's what our, our sin just causes the heart of God to just ache and, and just. And that's why in verse 7, God says that he's determined to cleanse the corruption. He's, I'm, I'm going to cleanse this. And look at the phrase in Genesis 6, 7. God's, God says this, I'm sorry that I made them. That's tough. That's heavy. God, God's heart breaks over the sin of his image bearers. And, and, and verse 7 says, God, God says, I'm going to blot out. I'm going to blot out. And, and that literally means to erase by washing. Erase, so you kind of get a hint of what's to come, right? But, but here's what I want you to see. Huh. It's, it's, it's a little word with, with big meaning. But Noah. Do you see that? In spite of how ever bad it is and wickedness and corruption and grief then it says but noah so so god's grief is not his final word god's grace is his final word look but noah found favor in the eyes of the lord noah found favor so it, so it doesn't say that noah earned favor it doesn't say that Noah won favor. It doesn't say that Noah merited favor. It says that Noah 
found, discovered, received favor. You see that? And the favor of God fueled the righteousness of Noah. That's why verse 9 says that Noah was a righteous man. He was righteous not because he had a mountain of morality, but because he had found favor with God. And God's favor fueled his righteousness. Verse 9 goes on to say he was blameless. That doesn't mean sinless. It means blameless. It, 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 it means he was blameless in his generation. It means, look, Noah walked with God. Where, where did we hear that? Last week with Enoch, right? Yeah, same path, same pace, same place. Noah had a heart for God. Noah avoided evil, and, and he, was, he was a good neighbor. He was good to people because he'd, he'd found favor with God. And in fact, Genesis chapter 7 Verse 1, God literally says, I have seen you a righteous person. So in this world of toxic darkness, there was the light of one who, who sought God's heart. So God's decision to destroy sin is met with God's desire to rescue sinners. And so God's salvation will be a fusion of justice and mercy. And that's what we see as we continue reading through Genesis chapter 6. And in Genesis 6, 14, we hear these jaw-dropping instructions from God. Noah, make yourself an ark. Make an ark. So, so the word ark appears twice in the Old Testament. It appears in Genesis chapter 6, and then interestingly enough, it also appears in Exodus chapter 2, verse 3, referring to the, the little ark or the basket which the infant Moses occupied in preservation of his life. So, so in Genesis, the word is used uh, to save humanity, and then in the second instance, a chosen people is saved through another person. See, make yourself an ark, an ark. So it's, 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 <laughs> it's Noah is being asked to make a floating cargo box, okay? A, a, a waterproof container. So it's not going to be a sea vessel like we know it. There's no rudder, no sails, no steering of any sort. There's no navigational crew. God is going to pilot the thing. So the ark was this floating receptacle. And God said, here are the exact dimensions. I want it 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. That's what I want. Build it with rooms. Build it with three levels. You get one door on the side. And there's, you, know, you get one window facing the sky. Okay? So it's not going to be a cruise ship for Noah to look out on the balcony on the ocean blue. That's not it. Because God's not going to let Noah see the devastation that is to come. See? 
So whatever happens on the outside, Noah and his family are secure within the ark. Inside the ark is life. Outside the ark is death. And God tells Noah to fill the ark with both animals and food. You're going to need food and you're going to need rooms. Get busy. And, and listen, as you read through Genesis chapter 6, so God says, you know, make this thing. And then, you know, you're, no, you got to get into the mind of Noah. It's like, well, what, why am I going to need to make this? And only in verse 17 does God explain why. I will bring a flood. That's why. I will bring a flood. So, and, and, and what's Noah's response? Noah's, Noah's response tells us what faith is. Faith is obeying what God says about unseen things in a way that significantly changes my life. That's what, that's what faith is. Now, look back in Genesis chapter 6. You'll notice in 6 and actually in chapter 7 and actually chapter 8, Noah doesn't speak a word. There's, he gives no dialogue, see. In fact, the only time we hear Noah speak is in Genesis chapter 9, and we're not even going to go there. So, so how do we know that he lived by faith? Look at the text. Genesis 6, it says, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Genesis 6, Genesis 7, 5, Genesis 7, 5. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. And then Genesis 7, 9, as God commanded Noah, you see. Genesis 7, 16, as God commanded him. In other words, in other words how do we know Noah had faith? Well, God speaks, Noah obeys, period. That's that, 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 that that's faith, that's faith. Faith is obeying what God says about unseen things in a way that significantly changes my life. So, so faith, as one author puts it, is not just an activity of your brain. It's an investment of your life. It, it's not just something you think about. It's someone you live for. Faith is organizing your life around God's promises as if they were already realities. See, it, it, faith is trusting God's sovereign rule even in a world of chaos. Now, Noah, God speaks, Noah obeys. That's faith. No, Noah couldn't even grasp the reality or the totality of it, of it all. And yet, Hebrews 11.7 says, out of godly fear, or reverent respect or regard, Noah obeyed. So, so Noah respected God's word and then acted on it. Acted. And without doubt, Noah attracted the attention of his world. Who builds an ark in a place like Arizona? See. Noah, you fool! What are you doing? What are you doing? In, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, write this down, 2 Peter 2, 5, uh, we learn that Noah was a herald of righteousness, a herald, a preacher. So, so, 
So he had, you know, he had a he had a hammer in one hand and a pulpit in the other. And he was a herald. And so he stood on the 50-yard line. God has spoken. A flood is coming. Mountains will be covered. Every living thing will be destroyed. Everything. But God has graciously provided deliverance in the ark. You must enter the ark, though. He must have said that a hundred times. And one commentator said, before Noah's generation drowned in the flood, they had already drowned out his life, his warnings, and his pleadings. Noah's gospel was foolishness to those who were perishing, but the power of God to those being saved. And I think that's what the preacher to the Hebrews wants to say to this battered church. Man, he's just urging them, I want you to keep walking with God. I want you to, I want you to stay on the 50-yard line and keep proclaiming life with your words and with your obedience, with your actions. You keep walking with God. Same path, same pace, same place. You keep trusting one day at a time. Stay on the 50. Don't quit. Keep trusting. Keep your eyes on Christ. Maybe you came here today and you're thinking, I'm just about had it. Don't quit. Keep your eyes on Christ. Stay on the 50. Keep trusting one day at a time. Give us this day our daily bread. Then I'll go to sleep tonight. I'll rest under God's watchful sovereign eyes and then I'll get up in the morning and I'll take it Monday. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to live Sunday before I live Monday. And then when Monday comes, I'm going to live Monday and then I'm going to live Tuesday. That's what's, and I'm not going to measure success the way the world measures success. Noah preached and he preached and he built and he built and he believed and he believed and in the end, eight people were saved. From a worldly perspective, that's not going to get you the keynote of church growth seminars. I can tell you that right now. All right. But we're not seeing things from a worldly perspective, are we? See. And, and Noah forces us to reckon this with this question What matters more in my life, the reception of God's favor? or the satisfaction of my personal desires. Which is it? Faith is responding completely and obediently to the word of God about things he says we can't see coming, but we're going to trust him anyway. Faith is following the word of God. That's what faith is. Amen? Amen. That's what faith is. Now, before I sit down, let me tell you what faith is does that's the second sentence you see it by faith noah condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith so so after after years of of building and pleading noah finally entered the ark with his family and and in my sanctified imagination i can just hear noah saying lord are you sure let, let me just preach one more time no they've heard enough they've heard enough you go on in 
you go on in. And Genesis 7, 16 says that Noah and his family entered the ark, entered the ark, and then it says this, this is, and Yahweh shut him in. Yahweh shut him in. Man, is that not security or what? It's, it's, as if, it's as if God said to Noah and his family, stay inside, you will be safe. I need to take care of some business, I'll be right back. Just stay in the ark, you're safe in the ark. And at, at, that, at that moment, two results occurred simultaneously. Noah became heir of the righteousness that, that comes by faith, and then in doing so, the world was condemned, you see. So, because Noah was renouncing the world in favor of God's kingdom. So, so here's what faith does. Faith signs your adoption papers into the kingdom of God. That's what faith does. Faith declares that your identity in Christ is worth more than anything else. You may have other identities, but they don't even compare to the identity in Jesus Christ. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and, and Jesus himself echoed this when he said in John 3, 18, we know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world uh, that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. We know John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. But John 3, 18 says, whoever believes in him, that's Jesus, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Now, why should we believe that? Because he who rises from the dead gets to make the rules. That's why. Okay. So can you hear what Jesus is saying? He's claiming to be the true and better ark. Unlike Noah, God is not asking us to build an ark. He's already done that. He's inviting us to enter the ark of Christ. And the ark of Christ is made of wood consisting of a Roman cross. And the ark of Christ consists of his life and death and resurrection and ascension, his crucifixion, his burial in a tomb that could not hold him. The ark of Christ is the resurrected and ascended supreme ruler of the heavens and the earth. That's the ark. He's the ark of Christ. Jesus is the ark of Christ because Jesus received the judgment so that we could receive the mercy. And he's inviting you to enter into him. The cross was the ultimate place where God's mercy met God's judgment. And, and Jesus received the judgment we receive the mercy. And that's the gospel we're called to believe. Let it in our lives and shape our lives and determine our identity. For like Noah, Jesus has made some promises about an unseen coming event. Yeah, yeah. An event called not the flood, but the day. The day. See that? We heard that in Hebrews 10. 
as you see the, as you see the day approaching. Here's what Jesus said about the day. Here's what Jesus said. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Listen, listen to me. I believe this. The very morning of Noah's flood, people were busy just doing the day like any other day. They were planning meals. They were changing diapers. They were preparing weddings. They were working. They were buying. They were selling. They talked. They listened. They laughed. They yawned. They played with their kids on the floor. They started work. They finished work. They ate. They were busy. They were unaware. Noah had Noah and his family had entered an ark and they're going the old man's lost it he's crazy and then it started raining and don't get me wrong listen to me listen to me it's not that Noah didn't drink or eat or arrange marriages for his sons of course he did you gotta eat you gotta drink but Noah did this while attentive to the word of the Lord with hammer in hand Noah watched and waited for the promise of God. Noah feasted, but he wasn't forgetful. He drank, but he wasn't distracted. He gave his sons in marriage, but that didn't deter his mission. Noah was not misled by the illusion of normal life. Oh, church family, remember, remember your roots. There is a reality that is more real than what we can see. Acts 17, 27 says, God is actually not far from each one of us. And even now, his hand grips the doorknob. So what's more real to you? Your to-do list for this week? Or the promise of Christ's return? What in your life can only be explained by Christ and his coming? What's the world seeing us build? Ultimate reality will not linger out of sight much longer. Forever happiness and forever horror are just beyond the clouds. Are we ready? Are we? Faith is following the word of God in a way that profoundly affects the way we live our lives. And faith signs our adoption papers for the kingdom of God. And, and here's the deal. <laughs> when Christ returns... Whatever your plans were, are going to change. Books are going to go unread. Weddings are going to be canceled. Dinner plans are going to be erased. And in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our God. And that's why Jesus says in Matthew 24, 44, Matthew 24, 44, you must also be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. So be ready, be ready, be ready, be ready. And, and when you are ready, when you are ready, and when you live ready, then you can even enjoy a football game. I believe that. Yeah, I believe that. Best sermon I heard this week was, well, did you, maybe you heard it, Damar Hamlin's speech at the NFL Honors. Do you hear it? Here, here, here's what he said. Here's what he said. 
First, I would just like to thank God. You remember, he, I mean, this, this hit that stopped his heart, right? And, and, and they had to put him into a coma. And, and, and then when he finally awoke, you know, he, his first question was, did we win? Uh, right? And you know what this doctor said. Yeah, you won. You won the game of life. That's what you won. And so he stood up Thursday night at the NFL Honors. Listen to this. Listen to this. First, I would just like to thank God for even being here. Every day I'm amazed that my experiences could encourage so many others across the country and even across the world, encouraged to pray, encouraged to spread love, encouraged to keep fighting no matter the circumstances. He says, sudden cardiac arrest is nothing I would have ever chosen to be part of my story, but that's because our own visions are too small even when we think we are seeing the bigger picture. He said, my vision was about playing in the NFL and being the best player I could be, but God's plan was to have a bigger purpose, a purpose greater than any game in this world. He says, my entire life, I felt like God was using me to give hope to others, and now, with a new set of circumstances, I can only say he's doing what he's all, always done. I have a long journey ahead, a journey full of unknowns, and a journey full of milestones, but it's a lot easier to face your fears when you know your purpose. Wow! There's a man who sees life from the inside of the ark. And that life is for us too. I say our church is here to see life from inside the ark of Christ who is our security. And we, we exist to offer this invitation on his behalf. Enter the ark of Jesus, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and he will give you rest. Noah's name means rest. Rest. There is rest in Christ. But you've got to be in Christ. You've got to come to Christ. You gotta believe Christ. You gotta trust Christ. Beloved, hear me. Enter the ark of Christ. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, thank you. We love you.